Welcome, welcome once again to our little <clears throat> refuge in the woods <clears throat> on this rainy, another Dharma rainy day. Um, the Dharma rain continues to fall on everyone equally, and even when it's not raining, it, the Dharma is still raining still raining on all of us, all of the teachings, all of the time. <clears throat> so thank you for uh, showing up. Uh, it's really important to be in person with one another. It's absolutely wonderful to see everybody, to see some people we haven't seen for a while and people we've seen a lot of. It's all good. So welcome, welcome to everyone. <clears throat> we continue to explore the sutra that we have recited this morning, the Loving Kindness Sutra. And if you listen to the sutra and to what it says and what it means, it's quite a list of virtues that one who is wise and seeks the good and has attained peace should accomplish. I made a short list of those virtues. Diligence, goodness, moral uprightness, honesty, wisdom, gratitude, contentment, forgiveness, patience, open-mindedness, kindness, compassion, and frugality. That's just a, the short list. That is quite a demanding and challenging thing for anybody to achieve. It seems kind of piling on of all these virtues. And it almost sounds like we're expected to be perfect. Every possible virtue that we can think of is something we should attain. And some of us have a reaction to that. It's almost a kind of perfectionism. And we tend to continually judge ourselves relative to what is stated in the Loving Kindness Sutra. Are, are we honest? Are we diligent? Are we grateful? Are we compassionate? Are we loving? And it seems that's a tall order for someone. And some of our sangha in my discussions with you have either taken what I would call a flight fight reaction to this menu of virtues that we are expected to cultivate as Zen practitioners. The flight reaction 
is, I can't do this. This is way beyond my capacity. Uh, this is unrealistic uh, to be that perfect a person, to have all of these virtues. And so I give up. I give up. I'm just going to kind of slip back into my old habits. This is way too much uh, to, to achieve. The other kind of more interesting response, which actually has occurred with one of our Sangha members, was what I, I'm calling the fight reaction. And this reaction was, of all things, what if I don't want to be good? What if I like the way I am? <laughs> what I, you know, it's like we have a we have a bunch of what what are sometimes called contrarians in our sangha. You want me to do this? I don't want to do it. And this is uh, a reaction that I've had. I'm an individual. I like the way I am. I don't, I don't want to be that good. I don't want to, to have achieved all these things. And that reminded me of a, a little story about an old woman. Somehow there are, all these Zen <laughs> stories are either about old Zen masters or old women. So I can identify this old woman was sold fish in a market. And many, many years of selling fish. And one, one day she brought her basket of fish to the market and was unable to sell all of her fish very quickly. And so she had to stay late in the marketplace before all of her fish were stolen. Uh, were so, uh, sold. And because of this, one of the women in the stall next to her who sold flowers said, rather than walk home in the dark, why don't you come and sleep over in, the, in my flower shop? And the woman who sold fish said, oh, that's very kind of you. And she entered the flower shop and lay down uh, on a mat and she couldn't fall asleep. And she tossed and she turned and the, the owner of the flower shop said, what's the problem? And she says, I can't stand the smell of flowers. <laughs> And she stuck her head in the fish basket and fell sound asleep. <laughs> Some of us don't want to be among the flowers. We prefer the smell of fish. We prefer to be um, a little contrarian and 
be a little mischievous and not be so perfect and be so, so flowery. So I took the liberty of rewriting the Loving Kindness Sutra with this contrarian attitude in mind. And this is what a life of the contrarian would look like. Instead of the Loving Kindness Sutra, I'm calling it the Materialist Manifesto, or one of my favorite series, Breaking Bad. (laughs) (laughs) This is what should be accomplished by one who is clever, who seeks wealth and power and has attained success. Let one be careless, corrupt, and devious, arrogant, difficult to please, and hostile. Let one luxuriate in the things of the world. Let let one accumulate riches. Let one's senses be unleashed. Let one be conceited and narcissistic. And let one not crave and let one crave great possessions, especially for oneself and one's family. Let not be let one not be restrained by morality or the example set by virtuous people. May all beings be needy. May they enjoy their dependence. All living beings, whether they be weak or strong, in high, middle, or low realms of existence, small or great, visible or invisible, near or far, born or to be born, may all beings be subservient. Let no one be afraid of lying, nor of harboring anger. Let revenge give way to harm to one's enemies. Even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child, so with relentless attention should one protect oneself at all costs, suffusing suspicion over the entire world, above, below, and all around without limit. So let one cultivate an infinite mistrust toward the whole world, standing or walking, sitting or lying down. During all one's waking hours, let one refrain from considering others. Holding tight to your fixed views, endowed with stubbornness, freed from any shred of vulnerability, One who lives this way will be blind to life and terrified of death. I had fun. (laughs) And I I invite all of you to kind of write your own little contrarian manifesto. (laughs) This 
this is life. This should not be too unfamiliar to, to us. Sometimes it's said, where there are humans, there are butterflies and maggots. This is the way it is. There are butterflies and maggots. And this is often expressed in this classic duality, the lover of dualities, um, between the good, the butterflies, the flowers, and the fish, the stink, the evil, the bad. Classic battle between, and, and we feel it inside of ourselves. Um, as I titled this, and some of you may have n- know of this uh, parable, this story of the black wolf and the white wolf, the classic battle between darkness and light, between evil and good. And it is told uh, as a Native American story. But actually, there's some doubt that this is from Native Americans because Native Americans are not likely to divide the world up in black and white. It's, it's thought that this is a story that actually comes from Christian, uh, a Christian uh background, because in Christianity we have this good and evil, but in some of the native cultures, in many of the native cultures, they don't divide up the world that way. So there's some doubt about the actual origin of this story. And the story goes that this grandfather, uh, in a, presumably in a Cherokee uh, tribe, is instructing his grandchild about what goes on inside of people. And he speaks about, inside me, there is a black wolf and there's a white wolf. And they're constantly at war. I should do this and I don't want to, or I can't, or I give up. Uh, I know I ought to do this, but I, I keep falling, I keep you know, this, this whole notion of falling into sin, this, this original fall. I keep falling into the darkness, trying to be light, trying to be good. <clears throat> so there's this battle inside of me. And the little boy says, who wins? Black wolf or the white wolf? And the grandfather says, the one you feed, the one you feed wins. This is, again, one way of interpreting the story that we feed all of these virtues. If we feed all the goodness in us, all, if you feed the white wolf, the white wolf is going to win you're going to become the person that is described in the Loving Kindness Sutra. 
You'll become grateful. You'll become honest. You'll become easily contented. You'll become truth. You'll become uh, um, uh, frugal. You'll become uh, generous. You'll just develop all these virtues if you keep feeding them. Don't feed. Don't feed the black wolf. And the black wolf will starve and you will become this virtuous person. But there's also another interpretation of this story. And that is, first of all, if the white wolf really was loving and kind and generous and, and compassionate, it wouldn't want the black wolf to be starved. Right? There would be this, this sense of connection, this sense of empathy, this sense of not wanting another, another being, even if it's black, to, to suffer, to not to be fed. So this is a, a, a parable of either or, win or lose, another duality. So again, in the, in the sort of Christian spirit, it's about something's got to win. Good has to win over evil, and evil has to be destroyed. But from a Zen perspective, that is one of the worldly wins, win and lose. We, we often guide our lives. We just, I happened to watch the Penn State football game uh, yesterday because we had bed and breakfast people. I figure I've got to know what's going on. So actually, and, and it's, I mean, this town is about, we're number one. We're, crush them. We, and this is very pervasive, this win-or-lose paradigm. But from a Zen perspective, it is, that's a war. And we, we're not promoting war. We're not even the war within. That's suffering. And our practice is to relieve suffering. And so when you're fighting with yourself, the black wolf and the white wolf are always fighting. That's a form of deep suffering. So the question is, is, can we feed both wolves properly? Do we have to starve one? I mean, even maggots have a role, right? It's all good. If everything is treated properly. So both wolves can be fed, could say, a win-win. That one doesn't have to lose and, and the other one has to win. But if we feed both properly, both can exist, can coexist. And we can recognize that we don't have to keep fighting with ourselves to get this perf- perfect being uh, emerging. 
it is not necessary to hate the black wolf because we would have to be averse to the black wolf in order for us to only feed the white one. And so when we have, we talk about these three poisons in Buddhist practice, attachment, aversion, attachment, aversion, and ignorance. And, so, and we often talk about attachment as being the core so- source of suffering, greed, wanting, possessing. But aversion, n- not wanting, wanting to get rid of, is just as much a source of suffering as wanting, as possessing. To hate, to, to want to get rid of, to want to get rid of your greed, to want to get rid of your anger, to want to get rid of your stinginess, to want to get rid of your envy. That is just as much a source of suffering as wanting to be all these other wonderful things. In Zen, we don't get rid of anything. We embrace more and more and more. And we, we ask, how can I be skillful? How, how can I take care of the black wolf? I don't want to hate the black wolf. I don't want to be at war with myself. So how can I feed that wolf properly so that I don't have to hate it? So I don't have to judge myself, constantly judge myself as failing. So aversion is also a poison to hate the things about yourself, to, to want to get rid of, of those things. Carl Jung often spoke about the shadow, our shadow, that dark wolf, that dark side of us. And his claim is that the brighter the light, the darker the shadow, the clearer the shadow. You can't get rid of your shadow, especially if you are in the light. So we don't deny, we don't destroy, we don't delete our shadows, our dark wolf. We feed it properly. And actually it is some of these these so-called dark aspects of ourselves like anger, for example. There is a lot of energy in anger. And that is something that could be fed to feed the energy in anger because that energy enlivens us but needs to be redirected. Similarly, 
there is, in being shrewd and maybe deceptive, there's imagination. There's creativity. So the black wolf has some virtues that can be fed. And if we're suspicious, you know, we go paranoid, there's also an alertness in the black wolf. You know, they're vigilant. They pay attention to what's going on. We can feed that. And the black wolf can be well-fed and not improperly fed so that it becomes uh, destructive or causes suffering. Similarly, if we, f- we can feed the white wolf improperly, even these virtues, these so-called virtues, compassion is wonderful, right? But if it's not fed properly, it becomes pity. <coughs> I assume, thanks. If compassion isn't fed properly, it becomes pity. If honesty, which is a virtue, is fed improperly, it can become insensitivity, right? Somebody who is just constantly blurting out what is ever on, you know, on the tip of their tongue. We say that, you know, honesty, but if you're just constantly, if you feed that improperly, it can become numb, insensitivity. Loyalty is a virtue, but it can become prejudice. It become, can become loyalty to my tribe, and everything else is other. So if loyalty is fed improperly, it becomes prejudice. So our practice is to nourish, nourish every voice that is inside of us. Every energy, dark, light, gray, all shades of gray, is to skillfully nourish. In the sutra, you'll notice that it reads, let one be, let one be, upright, sincere, without pride. Let one be this. Let one be that. I counted 11 times that let one be occurs in the sutra. The sutra does not say you should be strenuous, upright, and sincere. It doesn't say you must be strenuous, upright, and sincere. It doesn't say you ought to be strenuous, upright, and sincere. 
It doesn't say you better be strenuous, upright, and sincere. It says let one be. Let one be. As if this is natural. It's not, you know, do this. Let one be. Let one be. So let this natural expression of who you are, let it be. Let it flow. Let it flow out of you. Don't beat yourself up. Just open, open, open. And then it also says, let, let, let. Our practices is always about allowing, allowing, being available to, not forcing, not pushing. This is what we do when we sit. We don't push. We sit with ease. We sit with availability, with openness. So just let yourself be. Let yourself be who you are. And it says let one, let one be. It doesn't say you must be. And I'm reading that let one be strenuous, upright, and sincere. I'm reading that one as being all humans. It's not you personally. It's let one. Let all beings, let all beings, let all human beings be this. So it isn't, it's not like this um, highly uh, personal uh, admonition, but it's this very open set of possibilities for being human. To be human is to harbor a black wolf, a white wolf, a gray wolf, a red wolf, a pink wolf, a blue wolf. This is our practice. It's not duality. It's not either or. It's not win or lose. It's how to nourish properly. So to be human is allow, allowing ourselves to be human. 